Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popowich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? Good. We're getting closer to Christmas. Yeah, you know, the year end uh, is often a good time for markets, often a good, uh, we get Christmas rallies. We've had a lot of volatility this particular uh, season, which I want to talk about in the first segment. But Christmas season is not just about markets. It's also about shopping. Yes. So we're going to talk about all the problems of shopping <laughs> and all the issues with the supply chain. Can and you can get I, what you want, right? Can I get what I want? Yeah. And, um, and that's going to be a very uh, great chat to have because people start doing a lot of their shopping now. We've been accustomed to do it so late as yep. Canadians, we do. Um, and what's what's the risk of that now? Now that you're here, what what, do you, what can you get? What can't you get? What can you substitute if you can't find the thing you want? Correct. Right? Correct. So we're, that's, that's on our show. We're going to talk about risk, of course, and how all this volatility will impact your retirement. Yep. But let's talk about um, what's happening in the markets this week. Okay. Um, we are hearing a mix of jobs reports came out on Friday. Mm -hmm. Canada looked really good. Mm -hmm. U.S., real big disappointment. Yeah, I think if you look under the hood, it's not perhaps as disappointing as the headline, but certainly the headline, the headline caught people's attention. Fair right? enough. The, yep. the headline was disappointing. What I found very interesting is what markets were moving on what days. Yeah. So if you look at it, it's large companies, cyclical, <clears throat> um, opening up the economy stocks. Then next day you see the stay-at-home stocks, technology. Then you see energy. Like It was all over the place this week, which was fascinating because it tells me that people or the market still deciding which way to go from a thesis perspective. They haven't, they haven't figured themselves out. Mm -hmm. But I think the bond market and the currency market has. Well, let's talk about that. Let me, let me just uh, let me just talk about um, volatility for a second, okay? Sure. Because I think it's important that people understand when we get bouts of volatility, the vol volatility is caused by uncertainty. Yes. Right. So if you think about uh, equity markets, bond markets, so on and so forth, they all look into the future, um, and they try to anticipate what that future is going to look like. And yep. so when you introduce something like an Omicron uh, variant, when you introduce uh, when the Fed changes its language a little bit, it introduces uncertainty. And so the uncertainty is coming from those areas, right? So uh, you got to you you got to think through what what are the likely outcomes of what those changes do or may mean, and this is what the market is, you know, doing price discovery on every day, right, up and down and all over the place, yeah. and it will settle on something at some point. Can I give you a high five of, uh, about this? Uh, it was a, a few weeks ago. We were talking about the word transitory, mm -hmm. and transitory does not mean months; it could mean years. Correct. It's temporary, but it's not permanent. Right. The Federal Reserve mentions that, that maybe we should take the word transitory out of our language now. Right. Well, because the word transitory meant for a lot of people months. Right. And, and, and uh, Chairman Powell said that. It's just too hard. Like the, yeah. the, the definition is just yeah. too, too, too confusing. ambiguous. Yeah. So, so stop using that word. Right. Let's just say it's deflation. Right. right. <laughs> and, and some of it's sticky. We call this. Yeah. So kudos to, to our team. Kudos to you, Dave, for, for mentioning it on our show. I think this is where, um, when there is conversations or unexpected information coming out, uncertainty in other words, look at what the bond market is doing versus the stock market. The stock market is predicting a future of earnings relative to where, the, where, where interest rates are. Yeah. When you look at the bond market, 
Did you notice how the shorter term um, bonds were creeping up? Yep. The longer term bonds were falling. Yep. And that's called flattening of the curve. Yep. When you get a inverted curve, when you have short term interest rates that are higher than long term interest rates, that's the definition of recession in almost all well, periods. Yeah, that's the bond market signaling there's a problem. Signaling, correct. Um, yeah, that's right. So you first have to flatten yep. before you can invert. Yep. And so, aha, here we go again. High five, Dave, because we call this too. Watch these types of things to happen. Right. You're going to see this. Uh, this is why we didn't get so aggressive in the growth bucket. This is why we've been saying be careful of the risk that you're taking on when everything's going up. This is where the markets are now coming to reality that, hey, 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 you can't always go up. You can't buy companies at 75 times their earnings and expect them to grow at 30% per year compound growth forever. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. So, uh, surprise, and it catches a lot of people off guard. Yeah, and so, um, you know, one, one of the things about volatility when it goes down is uh, people get worried that it's going to go down forever. People get worried that you're going to lose all your money. People get worried you own bad companies. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things they get, they get worried about, right? And I, I, I think it's important, um, again, talking about this idea of uncertainty, uh, to, look, to look through that uncertainty. What does it look like? There's always base case, best case, and worst case scenarios mm -hmm. that you should be developing, right, in a playbook based on how things, how things roll out. Volatility in and of itself is just part of the investment uh, landscape. Mm -hmm. It is what it is, right? Markets can't just go up in a straight line. They go up, they go down, they go sideways for a while. They do all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. And I think people need to be um, const I mean, constantly aware of it for sure. But you've got to be careful, very careful, not to get trapped in the short-term angst of, of the gyrations because it leads to bad in many cases, bad emotional decision-making. This is where, if you're a do-it-yourself investor, yeah. then you need to be involved in the day-to-day -day gyrations. If you're not a do-it-yourself investor and you've hired a professional money manager, that's the money manager's job. So as a professional money manager, my job is to look at these gyrations and go, wait a minute, I think it was about 10 or 11 times I yanked you out of your office, mm -hmm. brought you to my terminal, and said, hey, look at this chart. Hey, look at this company. Hey, look at this sector. Look what's going on here. Look." And it's like, it's kind of like me going through a, a candy store saying, oh, look at all these different candies. Yep. Can I have one? And then, you know, you slap my hand and say, <laughs> not yet, not yet. That's diabetes, Faisal. Don't do that. You know, like those type of things. Right. But I think that's where, I, um, this is a, a very interesting time for me. As we get closer and closer towards the year end where volume starts to drop, um, and we have this high type of volatility, abnormal for December, uh, when you look back in history, I like it. I think it's candy store time. Now, we're not, we're not putting any candy in our, in our baskets yet, but there's a lot of companies that I've been saying and a lot of sectors that I've been saying to you, this is not normal. Right. This should not happen in this type of economic environment. Watch it turn. Watch it turn. And we've been starting to nibble away, but we haven't put a lot of money in or a lot of a lot of candy in our basket to buy yet. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's exactly right. So stay nimble. I mean, we've had this conversation uh, with lots of people, and you know, the most recent big bout of volatility we had, really big, was of course last year. It, it presented all kinds of opportunity, and I think it's important for people to remember that 
be careful of the short-term thinking, look for the opportunities, stay dynamic, yep. right? Stay mobile. If you're on the wrong side of a trade, fix it, get on the right one. Correct. Right? Nothing is permanent in those decisions. And stay with decent quality, right? Keep keep a control on your your the return and, uh, and the risk uh, portion of your portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got we've got a great show today and we do have a great guest today. You know, she's been on our show multiple times. She's a uh, she's an expert and in fact, she's she's someone that you've worked closely with. So Dave, how about we introduce our first guest today? Okay, so Kathy Mendham is a she's the founder, but she's also a, a seniors advisor. She's with Proactive Seniors Limited. Um, Faisal, as you said, Kathy is somebody that we've hosted on our More Than Money show on several occasions, and um, I'll let Kathy tell her story. But effectively, way back in 2016, she started to identify that there was some real need um, to help families both prepare, plan, and execute on um, plans as people experience different aspects of aging. And I think most people know that uh, in my family, we've been touched by dementia. My mother uh, has dementia, is in a care facility, and I've had the opportunity to work with Kathy and her team as, uh, as my mom's needs have escalated yeah. uh, over time to really do, to determine what the best course of care facilities, all of those things are. And, and we'll talk, if we have a chance, if anybody has questions, I'm happy to talk about all of that. Sure. Uh, but Kathy is uh, is um, is a terrific resource for that. I don't see Kathy on screen yet, but she is logged in, so we should get uh, get down to business on let's do that how to help. So Kathy, thank you. Welcome to all of welcome to the community. We're really happy to have you here. Um, I'm going to just kick it off right away. One of the the big topics that we have uh, and that we keep on talking to our clients, listeners of our show, viewers of our content, and so forth. They keep on asking us about how they can prevent or minimize being a burden to their family members. So let's start that as the topic. When it comes to all the work that you do, all the resources you have at your fingertips, what can our uh, the people out of this community and on the show um, learn from you on how not to be a burden to their family? <laughs> Well, thanks, you guys, for having me again. And it's an excellent question. And I, I hear that a lot in the work that I do as well. And I think the, the, the most salient um, thing people can do is to have a plan. And to have a plan means understanding what your goals and wishes are uh, for aging. And I know that you guys talk about that with regards to people's financial planning, but it's just as important to talk about goals and wishes with regards to health and wellness planning. And so the first, the first thing I would say to people is if you start to have a plan, discuss what your goals and wishes are, and then go into further details, which I can talk about as well, on how to make a plan, that's going to significantly uh, reduce um, that feeling of being a burden on your family. Let's start with the first part, Kathy, about goals and wishes, because that's something that we do discuss with our clients in the health bucket conversation. I can tell you from experience of doing this for over over a couple of decades, talking about healthcare and the and the way things are changing, I can tell you that many people don't know what they don't know. And so it's hard for many to actually ask the questions or even have a vision of what kind of care. Mm-hmm. Unless you've been impacted, Dave, you now know more than you did 15 years ago uh, of what you would want when it comes to your aging process. So when it comes to goals and vision, Kathy, what are some of the things that people should be thinking about? 
Well, I think it's very important to to spend time with your spouse if you are married or with your family or even just on your own if you don't have anyone in your immediate family to work on with work with us on and really think about where do you see yourself? Where do you want to see yourself in coming time segments? So depending on your age, do you want to um where do you want to be in three years time? Where do you want to be in seven years time? Where do you want to be in 10 to 15 years time? And you have to think about, do you want to be in your home? Do you want to be in more of a congregate living setting? Do you want to stay in the city that you're in or move to where your children are? Um, what types of care do you want? Do you want to be supported through private sector care, mm -hmm. through the public health system? So it's just really important to work through that, that process of knowing where you want to see yourself because the goals and the wishes are plan A. That's what you're working towards. And you need to know what you're working towards to be able to create a plan. Well, we always talk about plan B with our clients as well, which is the contingency planning. What if you can't meet that goal that you're striving towards? What do you want mm -hmm. to consider? But you have to have a plan A goal to know what you're working towards to be able to set that plan in place with supports and services and programs. Dave, when your mother was going through her experience with dementia, mm -hmm. was it all of a sudden? Was it um, was it something that you could actually plan with her? How how did it work? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting question. Of course, it, it's a it's an ongoing journey. Um, but I can tell you one of the one of the challenges we had with uh, with mom is that she's never she still hasn't to this day acknowledged that she has dementia. Mm. So um, it, it, it made it more difficult um, to do that planning with her because she's, you know, she, she, she just won't acknowledge that she has this problem. Now, her, her care needs, and when I engaged Kathy and her group fairly recently, actually, is her care needs have just progressed to the point where her personal directive had to be enacted and brought in. And, you know, we had to make some, my brother and I had to make some decisions um, about where mom was going to be in the level of care and so on and so forth because her current facility, um, after a number of consultations, really we, none of us felt that uh, the current facility was gonna be able to do it. But um, you know, it does raise questions in conversation about my brother and I as we think about how we might be, um, how we could reduce the burden that we experienced given that this is in our family, yeah. right? And so we talk about that um, of course, the grandkids, my brother's kids and my two girls all see granny. We talk about what granny's going through. But it does raise the question about having having thought through this and having some, um, you know, even attached notes to a personal directive and so on and so forth about what you would like to see happen in the mm -hmm. event that we started to go down this path. Mm -hmm. Kathy, I want to I want to bring you back on this point, because I think that's where the hardest part comes to play. And, I'll, and, I, and I hope my dad's not watching this because I'm going to pick <laughs> on him. Poor guy is stubborn as hell, Kathy. And so when it comes to actually sitting down with him and saying, Dad, let's let's talk about your health plan. And we've, we've built to some degree now after many years of nagging, let me tell you. Um, but, but Kathy, the, the hard part is actually sitting down with the individual and planning for something that they may not see happening to them in the future. So from your experience, Kathy, um, what would you do? What would you suggest as as parents talking to their adult children? Should they be doing about? And what should the adult children be talking to their parents about to kind of get things started? I think that's the the hardest part for myself with my father was saying, Dad, you're getting older. Things are going to change. Right. And and he's like, No, it's just not going to happen. Right. Like, I'm not old. That guy across the street. <laughs> 
who's yeah. ten years older than me. He's old. Yeah. I'm not old, right? Yeah. So, Kathy, what what are what are your some of your tips or ideas to that we can we can learn from all the experience that you have? Sure. So, so how to have that conversation is really what we're talking about, and and it's a very good question. So, when it's the parents wanting to have the conversation, when they're driving driving the bus and they want to um, start to have this conversation with their adult children, which is the ideal way to go because they're leading it. Um, the parents can initiate that conversation by saying, we have talked about what our wishes are for the future, what we're hoping for. We would like to have a conversation with you, our children, as to how you might first understand what we're hoping for. And secondly, how you might like to be involved if you are able to in the planning for our care and support later. So that's the easiest process is when the parents open that conversation with their children. Now, sometimes there's family dynamic issues, relationship issues, and you the family might find that having someone facilitate that conversation is easier. There might be different personalities and different perspectives. And when I talked about goals and wishes earlier, the reason to set your goals and wishes is to get that common consensus. Um, so if you need a facilitator to have that conversation, lots of people do, that's no problem. The more difficult side, like, like you were suggesting is what if the adult children want to have this conversation and the parents are resisting it? And what we find really works is when the children say to their parents, I am feeling worried. I am feeling anxious. I am feeling unprepared. You don't want to come in and say, you need to do this. We want you to do this bossy, 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 you have to go in and say, we are concerned, it's affecting our life, it's affecting our sleep, it's affecting how we're feeling. Could we have this conversation? Could we start talking about your future? We'd like to know how we can help, but we need to know what you want and where you want our help or where you don't want our help. So those are the words that we often recommend. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, I think that's really interesting language. Yeah. Um, Basically, she said I did it wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. I'm guilty of that too, clearly. Um, I was thinking, of, yeah, anyways, uh, yes, we'll have to improve that for sure. But, you know, it does, there, there is processes and there are people that can help. And, and Kathy said something very interesting is there are lots of dynamics. I mean, we talk to lots of people about the family dynamic and, you know, there's a very wide range, Faisal, yeah. about uh, openness and willingness to be able to talk about these kinds of things in the um you know, in, in, in each individual family. You know, Kathy, I want to I want to thank you for joining us today on this part. I, I, I think it's very important that we kick it off with the mindset that there are a lot of people who are really concerned, especially going through this pandemic of being a burden on their family yeah. members. And I think this is a really big piece there. So, Kathy, I want to thank you for joining us today. Tis the season, my friend. Have you done all your shopping? Well, uh, um, no, I've got <laughs> stocking stuffers to get. But I, I'll tell you why I hesitated on that is because you're not um, getting me nothing, are you? Well, I, I get you the same gift every year. Nothing. Yeah. The gift of my company for the following that's year. That's not a gift. No, that's not good. Okay. That's not a gift. But it is kind of, it goes down <laughs> what I was going to say. We're focused as a family more around experience this year. Okay. Than, than gifts. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what our, our guest is going to say about that because, um, you know, we, we talk about supply chain problems and there's all kinds of stuff going on yeah. in the world right now from a, you know, from an economics perspective. But the impact that the, that, broader economic conversation has is when you go to the, the store, right? And yeah. you're trying to find a gift. Maybe so it won't be there. I went on my list and I looked down my list and I had this somewhat idea because 
of, of who I'm buying for, and of course you're not on the list, Dave, um, <laughs> oh, that surprise. anything that was electronic yep. or required a yep. chip, yep. I ordered earlier. Yep. What I made the mistake of is, oh, I'll just pick up the clothing items for my kids later on, and literally last week, this size out, out of stock, that size out of stock. I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I thought it was only a chip problem. I didn't know that we could, because I didn't think about this whole flood issue coming in across right. and these, you know, and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, we're cool, we're we're good to go. Uh-uh, my kids have to gain a lot of weight by Christmas in order to fit the clothes that I just bought them. Holy cow. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's talk about shoppers and their impact and what's gonna happen yeah. throughout this pandemic. We've uh, we've got a great guest today, Dave. Yeah, Casey Runyon, VP Managing Editor for Brown. Brad's deals. Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So, so is, is the experience that we're having here, um, is that unique to, to us or what do people have to know for this Christmas season? You know, absolutely not unique. I, I was uh, really laughing because, you know, the, the chip shortage has been, you know, so discussed. And, and I think that's where a lot of people have been focusing. But it is, uh, I've been saying nothing is safe. Right. And it's it's not that the shelves are bare. It's not that there's nothing, but it's it's things that you wouldn't even expect are are out of stock. And, you know, and sometimes it takes a minute to even figure out why is this? I was trying to buy some moisturizer with SPF and I went to buy my usual one out of stock. Then I went to another one from the same you know maker out of stock, out of stock, like so many of them were out of stock and I'm like, okay, these are made in the USA. So what's going mm -hmm. on here? And it's gotta be some ingredient it, that is, you know, in that moisturizer that needs to be brought in from overseas and it's just not available right now. And, or something like that, or the bottle or some, you know, there's something happening. Nothing is safe. Um, so that means that people do have to, you know, maybe change their plans. I mean, maybe, you know, feed the children a little bit more so they're a little bigger. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, just, just kidding. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, you're, you're hitting something that most people weren't really thinking about, that it goes beyond yeah. the technology. Moisturizer would have never known that it could be something in that packaging. Most packaging is yeah. not made in the US or Canada. It's made in, uh, in foreign countries, primarily Asia and so forth. So there are uh, issues in, in, that, in that sense. Let's talk about substitutes. How easy is it for someone to substitute from one product to another? So let's use your moisturizer. Uh, you, you went online, you couldn't find it. What did you do? Did you substitute with another moisturizer or did you just say, forget it, I'm just gonna yes. do something else? <laughs> Well, we have to take care of our skin, you know, yeah. uh, and SPF every day matters. <laughs> so, so I was, after I went through, I, I was not my first choice, second choice. It was probably my eighth choice, um, oh. you know, but I, I found one. I don't like it quite as, as much as my normal, but, you know, it's getting the job done. And I think, you know, that's where people are, are um, you know, really sort of stuck. You know, if you are looking for uh, a PlayStation right now, new new generation, current generation, you, good luck. I mean, luck. and and yeah. for for many people, a substitute to the Xbox is not going to be what they want. And and so for some things, it is just straight out of luck. I mean, like that's just the reality right now. Casey, are you finding it different for inventory levels based upon the company that you're shopping at? And let me give you an example. Boutique businesses throughout North America, them versus the big box companies, 
Uh, we're hearing companies like Target, Walmart uh, have better supply chain systems able to get the product you need in a, in a higher likelihood mm -hmm. of happening yeah. than if you are mom and pop shop or small business in some part of Canada, uh, good luck. You're not gonna get you know, as much from them. Is, that, is the information I'm reading accurate to what you're seeing? You know, I think it is better at, at the larger stores, but we are still seeing a lot of inventory pressure. Things that are, you know, selling out more quickly than we would expect when they went on their Black Friday or Cyber Monday prices. It's like, oh, that was, you know, really live for 10 minutes and then and then it was gone at Walmart, at Target. Um, so so it is a mix of, of things, but in general, they are going to have, because they've been doing things like at Walmart, uh, you know, paid for its own container ships, you know, to be coming in from overseas and, and things like that. So they just have that leverage and that ability. And there's also the, um, and I do think we're gonna see an impact from this, um, retailers those big retailers are are doing what's been termed panic buying um you know same as toilet paper uh at the beginning of the pandemic but people uh, uh they're they're you know okay if we're not going to get it from here let's order it from here and see you know if one of them comes in which is going to i believe at some point lead to uh inventory surplus and potentially uh lower prices i think uh, January and February could be really interesting in terms of sale pricing and just seeing what happens because eventually all of the stuff is going to get here. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you a story of what I did. I went online um, with a online company, tried to buy their product. They said we can ship it to you between January 25th and February 13th. Perfect for Christmas shopping, by the way. Um, delivery options are a concern here for me because I'm lazy, I don't leave my home, and I want it now. The minute I press the button, it should arrive at my door. That's how I am. So what's happening with delivery yeah. options? What should we be thinking about, about those types of issues? So my first thing that I wanna say is I would not trust that delivery date. All right, because that's all uh, like anytime they're estimating out in the future, they don't have it right. That's the reason it's going to take so long. And those those, uh, you know, programs that estimate how long something is going to take to get to you, um, I, they're not going to be very good right now because every part of the supply chain is experiencing issues. And so whatever algorithm is working on is not going to be as reliable. So don't trust it um, and don't think that just because, you know, a, a lot of people are very reliant on Amazon Prime shipping, um, you know, they will start taking things off of Prime shipping and it's gonna happen, I would say, probably sooner than people expect. I would expect around the 20th, um, you're gonna start seeing far fewer items available for Prime shipping on Amazon. And, you know, if Amazon is sort of the, the gold standard of fast shipping, um, other companies do offer, you know, very fast shipping, but it's gonna really start to degrade as we get hey, closer to Casey, to the just real quickly, um, as part of the substitution, uh, you know, I made the comment earlier about experience. I'm hearing a lot of this, people substituting this Christmas goods for experiences. Is that something, is that a trend you are seeing or you can speak to? Yeah, I mean, I think we have been seeing um, since earlier this year, we have started seeing a lot of engagement with uh, travel type uh, deals that we're posting and, and consumers, I think, are really 
looking to do things and get you know we've there's been this you know lockdown mentality for so long now and people are wanting to get out and and do things and and even just think about it like a lot of the like we're seeing such high engagement with when we post travel related content and i think that really speaks yeah. to people uh it's aspirational it's like i want to think about this i want to make plans and and so yeah that experience then just lines up right with that i think yeah Casey, we have about a minute left to go before we have to go to commercial break. Um, give us some tips for people who are doing their holiday shopping. What? Give me two or three tips that we can we can share with the audience. All right. So um, the first one is if you have already purchased something, keep an eye on it at the store that you bought it from. And because we are seeing Black Friday type price, like pricing that beats Black Friday or Cyber Monday, and we'll continue to see that. Uh, you know, it isolated. It's different places, but so follow up on your items that you've purchased because a lot of retailers will just refund you the difference if you say, hey, I bought this for $60 and it's $50 now and you get $10 back, easy. Um, another one I would say, uh, hang on to your receipts and uh, because we do have uh, extended holiday return periods so you want to keep those receipts and take advantage of them. It, you know, if you if you find something elsewhere at a lower price, you can always return the more expensive one, um, and just have a backup plan. I think, uh, and do your shopping now. Don't wait. Yeah, good advice. Okay, thank you very much, um, Casey Runyon, VP Managing Editor for Brad's Deals. We appreciate you joining us today, Casey. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, the question is, or the conversations I'm having this week, Faisal, are all around. Are we on track? Are we okay? What about the risk? Do we have the right amount of risk? And mm. It's interesting how risk becomes a conversation only when things start to flare up, right? <laughs> so I think we should spend a little bit of time yeah. really talking about, uh, about this because there are bouts, whether it's Omicron or, or whatever else, we get periods where volatility spikes and it creates problems. Can, can I have the permission to vent a little here, Dave? Sure, yeah. Um, why is it that when it comes to people's portfolios, their investments, their future retirement, <clears throat> risk is only assessed when risk arrives. Right. Um, I, I've used the analogy with some of our clients on, it's like crossing the street and not looking for a car until you get hit by a car. Right. That's a problem. That's a problem. No one does that in any part of their life except for the markets. As long as everything's going up, nothing is risky. When the markets were rallying this year, people were not talking about what could go wrong. People were not talking about the risks that are out there that could cause this type of mm -hmm. volatility that we're seeing mm -hmm. uh, recently. And so when I, when I think about what the issues are is, I don't think people have a true understanding of their tolerance of risk Correct. until risk arrives. Right. And that's very short and acute. Right, and it, 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 that, you're right, they don't have a fair assessment of it, and then it becomes emotional and very, very uh, uh, visceral experience for them. Correct, right? correct. So now, the, the conversation then leads to, well then, if I don't understand my tolerance, even though I can tell you I like medium risk, I can't take high risk, I prefer low risk, or whatever your definition of risk may be, how do you determine if you are tolerant with an investment strategy. Mm. So I think there are a few things that people need to look at. Number one, do you have a written retirement plan? Right. And how are you doing comparing to that plan? 
That's the number one thing, okay? Then you look at, with your advisor, and if you're a do-it-yourself, ask yourself, calculate the volatility in my portfolio during the past, call it 5, 10, 15, 20 years. How much risk have I taken versus whatever my benchmark is? Right. So if I'm a medium risk investor, <laughs> you'd have a bit of stocks, a bit of bonds. Based on the comparisons to that, mm -hmm. am I taking on more risk or less risk? Because we've talked about this before. When things are going up and things are going well, no one asks you, how much risk did you take to get me that Correct. return? That's right. But when things are going down, how come we took so much risk? Right. So understand what your risk is. Now, guys like me, basically, who have no life, calculate this stuff all day long. I can tell you within a percentage how much volatility our portfolios are at during extreme volatile periods. Yep. What will it go up? What will it go down? And how much of the market or our, of, the, of the portfolio in regards to versus the market are we capturing? I don't think most money managers talk about that to their clients. Yeah, and, and I, I think you're right. And I'm going to say in fairness, I'm not sure most clients uh, understand or you know, are even interested in that. Their experience with risk is the emotional aspect of it, right? Correct. Okay, so let's say somebody, uh, I think your, your rant is, is right on the money. That's, that's an important element. Everybody talks about return. Nobody talks about risk. Yeah. And it's those two things in combination that help form uh, an investment, a long-term investment strategy, right? Managing to those two things. But let's talk about if somebody's not interested in that. Okay, oh, Faisal, I just, uh, I get it. I don't understand, but I'm scared right now. Okay? The, the issue that I have, my rant is around the, the emotional short-term thinking that happens. Yes. Right? So even if you're not um, nerding out like we're talking about, right? There are ways to be able to help mitigate the experience that you have because markets falling are a part of the are a part of the systemic game that you play. They go up, they go down. They have to over some period of time do something for you. What is it that's supposed to do? What is your money supposed to do for you, right? And we talk about financial planning, okay? So. I can, I, I'm going to share with you um, lots of conversations I've had this week, and they're all sort of focused on the same thing. What's going on in the market? We have that conversation. Yep. Okay. Um, volatility tends to spike when we introduce uncertainty into the future <coughs> outlook. Okay? Correct. So it doesn't matter if it's Omicron. It doesn't matter if it's Fed tightening. Whatever that uncertainty is creates volatility. Great. We have volatility. Am I going to be okay? That is the question a retiree is asking themselves constantly. Am I going to be okay? Can I still go and buy my Starbucks coffee today even if the markets are down? So how do we measure that? Well, I, I'd like to add to that. I don't think it's only the Starbucks thing. Is Am I going to run out of money? Yeah, of course. That's the I, biggest one. Absolutely. If this volatility continues, right. because we believe now this volatility is going to happen forever. Forever, yeah. If inflation's at 4.7%, it's going to be 4.7% forever. Right. Like We take a certain situation in a period of time, yeah. and we then... Anchor on that, assuming that's going to be the foreseeable future or forever. Yep. And so the, 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 the concern, the fear that people have in volatile times is will I, how, am I, how will my retirement be impacted because of this? Correct. Now, what role does time and averages play in the answer to this question? Right? Because if a market goes down this quarter, does that mean my retirement is over? Right? Yeah. How do I measure that? How do I know that that's not the problem? How do you know it's only going to be a quarter? Well, you don't. 
right? Right. But how do I know? That's the uncertainty. That's right. right? I don't know this is going to be just a short-term thing. Right. I remember last year, mm -hmm. pandemic, mm -hmm. market crash, rally back up, great year last year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen again like that. Right. It could be worse. It could be down and down again right. for, for years. Who knows? Right. So that uncertainty causes that, that problem. This is why structure of how you build your retirement is important. I am really, really sympathetic. I am concerned for those people who've invested all of their money in an equity strategy based on dividends to pay for their retirement. Right. I am scared for those people. I am scared for those people who have been pushed up the risk spectrum just because there is no alternative except for stocks. Right. Don't buy bonds. Don't buy other types of investments. Don't buy alternatives. Don't, 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 don't. Only stocks. And now, welcome to the stock market. This is what it's about. These white guys like me love the volatility. Right. Why clients like ours hate the volatility because they think that's going to be the reality of their future. Why do we develop an income bucket? And I don't hear anybody else talking about this stuff. Right. So, you know, how do you secure your income? Don't invest in high-risk investments. Right. Isn't that the outcome? Right. Isn't that the solution? Why is it that people are just pushing for growth, 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 and then when they need the cash flow and things are not going according to plan, meaning they're not going up, they freak out. Right. And it's going to happen. So understanding not only what your plan is, not what the money means to you, but what's the structure to get you to that reality. Yeah, the structure. And then, and then go back to it, right? So where I was trying to go to is, is there's going to be short-term angst all the time, right? But if you go back to the plan, and if you're constantly over time, re going structure and discipline, delivering to at or above plan, you're fine. You're fine, right? It's not the, the short term because there's going to be really good periods, there's going to be not so good periods. On average, the question is, are you going to be okay? Yeah. But keep in mind, that's, that's the growth side of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. For the people who are living off this, this volatility. Right. Have an income bucket. Yeah, now, we know yeah. majority Canadians that are in retirement or approaching retirement do not have an income bucket. Right. Because they're not, they're not structured that way. Right. So for those who are listening right now that do not have an actual income bucket to draw cash flow from to fund their lifestyle that's not invested in volatile investments like the stock market, yep. what do they do? Well, um, there's a series of steps, right? You've got to, uh, you, you have to evolve your, uh, your strategy, structure, and discipline to fit your needs, mm -hmm. right? And so you've got to talk to somebody who's got an expert in this. Like, and what, when I say you've got to evolve, um, if you're at that point where you are considering living off of your savings, your, 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 your goals and objectives have changed. Considerably. You, you've got to recognize that, yeah. and then you've got to plan around those goals and objectives. And that's where I, maybe it didn't come across properly. What is the money supposed to do for you? And if you're in, if you're in an income mode, well, guess what? You have an income need. You should be planning for that as well as for growth. We gave a note to our clients. We did this on Friday. We recorded this and we send out these videos to our clients on the regular. Um, we said, if you need cash from your savings in the next six months, call us now. And you haven't got a uh, and you an haven't income got an income bucket. place already. Yeah. That's so right. if you need cash and you haven't already started drawing cash yeah. and you haven't established an income bucket, call us now. Right. Pick up the phone, call us 
Get in front of us. We got to sort this out because we think volatility is going to be here for a very long time. Well, volatility is, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So why take that risk? I, I think, you know, this was a great show today. I think we, we've learned a lot in regards to um, what the risks are out there. And I would challenge all the listeners out there to see, do you actually have a growth bucket and yep. an income bucket? And can you really tolerate the risk that you're on? We've got one more uh, seminar coming up before the end of the year. We're going to be talking about all of these different aspects of it, the structure, the discipline, income bucket, growth bucket. Why don't you invite everybody out for us? Why don't you come on out and join us on Tuesday, December 7th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Well, thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.